All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. And Mike and Andrew, I would like to propose something. I'm going to read a profile of a teacher that has joined our program or a teacher who is considering joining our program. Here's teacher number one. This is Maria. And Maria said the following. In 2020, during the pandemic, I decided to start teaching as a freelancer, primarily because schools were not hiring at the time. Mike, going back to the precarity situation that you were talking about. And she said it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And during the first six to eight months of my freelance teaching, I did everything by myself with no guidance whatsoever. And of course, I made tons of mistakes. I have another profile here that I think connects to this. And maybe, Andrew, you can build up on that. This teacher says, I have been teaching on and off for over 10 years now, but I never really saw it as a promising career path. No wonder. Precarity is all over. Um, It was something I did as a side job while being a student or doing something else at the same time. It took me a long time to realize that teaching is what I really am passionate about. Unfortunately, all the time passed by and I didn't really work on my professional development. I took the CELTA last year, which I thought would be a game changer for me, but only led to excruciating overplanning, burnout, and I went down a PPP rabbit hole not to mention the hours I have put on creating beautiful yet meaningless slides for online lessons. In order to scale your ability to teach, you need an infrastructure that allows for this blend or this mix of online instruction, offline implementation, feedback, some sort of peer support, basically an infrastructure that provides your students, and in this case, that provides our community with a way to consume content at their own pace, while also providing access to opportunities for face-to-face discussion with, with a mentor, with a coach. So choosing the right platform for delivering your specific knowledge is also very important. And one, one of the things I wanted to say before you jump right in, Mike, because I know you have a lot to say about that, is that this is what I want you to understand. You, yes, exactly. You are listening to this podcast. Technology is no longer the limiting factor. It is actually the enabler. Hi, my name is Yasmin. I'm from Iran. And right now you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Salam. Man Yasaman hastam. Ahl Iranam. و شما الان شنونده Teacher Talking Time Learn Your English Podcast Well, 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 welcome to another episode of the Teacher Talking Time Podcast and we are in 2022 Yes, a new wow. happy, happy new year, year. Everyone. Yes, happy new yes, year. here we are again and very excited because we're going to have another year of podcasting. Um, we don't have any any corrective feedback series coming up, but we have a lot of new interviews um, on the horizon here. But I thought, boys, and everyone else listening to this podcast, first of all, 
Um, if you are listening to this, don't forget to go on Spotify and actually rate our podcast. You're going to have like, uh, you're going to see a bunch of stars. And if you think this podcast is a five-star podcast, please rate us accordingly. Um, but here I am joined by the other two musketeers, Mike and Andrew. How's it going, boys? Doing well, doing well. Doing well. 2022 is uh, it's here and who knows what it's going to bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know. We don't really know. But actually, I wanted to start on, on that, Mike, because I think a lot of people, a lot of teachers have are facing some sort of uncertainty in their careers, especially because of this never-ending, ongoing pandemic, right? So a lot of teachers are uncertain of, of what, what to do next in their careers um, and planning. And I think one of the most important things we need to start um, in saying this podcast is that it's really not important to know the destination. And I've, I've talked about this before. I don't think we need to know where we want to be. We just need to know the direction in which we want to go. Because once you have a clear sense of direction, I think it makes it much easier for you to make choices um, and decisions in your life. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And um, especially just what you said about the precarity of the industry at the moment. I think that a lot of people are struggling with that basic kind of fundamental need, right? Like, as you said, you don't need to know exactly where you're going, but having a sense of direction is so helpful. And I think really, like, people are just looking for direction. And um, we've certainly realigned ourselves to try and help people out with that. But um, it's a real need. And I think it's not just unique to our industry. I think it's just a the, the day and age in which we live. Um, but I think it's hit teachers and language teachers in particularly a little bit harder than say some other fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, destination journey, all these words that we use, but you know, where I don't know, I wouldn't be where I am now without, you know, taking some risks and just focusing on uh, the journey and the steps, as you said, Leo, not so much on where I'm going to end up because I know this, this is definitely true for me. I'm sure it's true for you guys and true for many people that if I had just, targeted one specific destination i wouldn't have gotten to where i am now because that destination was something that i thought i wanted but maybe wasn't uh you know when i got there even if i got there i know we've all changed our minds along the way which is part of the process and can be scary at the same time but um you know building the house can be daunting but if you just start with the foundation and then start with the first floor and the second floor and maybe you know you change your mind in terms of decor to extend the, the analogy along the way but taking that first step. And, and I think, you know, polarization or, or paralysis can happen if we just focus on the house being finished, but mm-hmm. uh, taking the first step to, you know, buy the land, so to speak, uh, can lead us in, in a variety of different directions. And, and that's this- a great point, Andrew, because I think that um, the word risk, I think taking risks, you take more, you should take more risks or leave your comfort zone. That can be really kind of, um, it can make people feel quite uncomfortable. But I think if you just change it to like, just make some tweaks, right? Like you said, right? You don't have to build the whole house at once. Just make some small tweaks here and there. And you can actually see big results. And I think that might be a, a way of making transformative change without having to necessarily feel the discomfort of thinking that you're taking these big risks or leaving your comfort right. zone fully. Right. And this is exactly what we're going to be exploring in today's podcast. The first Teacher Talking Time podcast of 2022 is going to be on how to build a future 
of teachers or foreign language teachers or any, any teacher out in there in the world and what this future might mean for education. So if you are a language teacher or just a teacher who wants to learn more about how you can use the power of the internet, how you can leverage the internet to your favor, this is going to be a perfect episode for you because we're going to be looking at the profiles of some teachers and we're going to show you how our latest program, to those of you who don't know, we actually have a new program, which we're going to tap into that right now. I think tap is the, the, um, the, the acronym, acronym yeah. that we use, the acronym for the, yeah, for the program, is, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you guys had picked up on that. <laughs> I just, I've just learned that right now. I didn't, I didn't think, thought of that before. So yeah, the teacher accelerator program, TAP. Exactly, TAP. So let's talk about that. But before we do that, um, and we look at the profiles of teachers, let me ask you, you a question. How many teachers are out there in the world? Can you guys guess? Oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> tough, tough question. Tens of millions. It's in there. Yeah. I'll yeah. choose that. 47 million. Okay. So I have here statistics by uh, Max Roser, who actually did some very interesting research on um, the number of teachers who are out there. And I can give you my source here. It's Our World in Data. And um, here's what I have. Higher. Um, higher than that, Mike. Yes. <laughs> We're looking at 85 plus million teachers in the world double double that i was pretty close actually. and that yeah, and that yeah. is just people who identify <laughs> themselves as teachers because i don't know if you agree with me but anyone can be a teacher in fact if you are the kind of person who is helping one person change their business or their life with something that you are an expert at you can help many people by acquiring this skill of teaching and if you are one of those teachers or potential teachers how do you get noticed out of the 87 million other people that are doing it? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, well, th th that's where the internet comes in. That's the power of the internet. And I was reading an article by this woman, uh, Sharon Rosen, and it, it, I think it's called The Economics of Superstars. And she was mm -hmm. basically exploring the trend of fewer individuals earning larger amounts of money as superstars of their profession. I mean, think about this. How many people play golf and how many people have the star power of Tiger Woods? Nobody. How many, yeah, nobody. Yeah. how many people play professional soccer? And how many people have the earning potential of Cristiano Ronaldo? How many quarterbacks are out there <laughs> that play or have the superstar <laughs> earning potential of Tom Brady? Well, what this woman is basically arguing is that this phenomenon is driven by two very specific elements. Number one, you need outstanding talent. Number two, you need to have the ability to share that talent with a larger market. And when we think about this, we could even argue that what, what makes it easy for these people to actually um, to do that is because they have a platform. Cristiano Ronaldo has, you know, the, the Premier League, he has the World Cup, he has other tournaments. And of course, Tiger Woods has the, what are they called? The USGA, whatever mm -hmm. those tournaments mm -hmm. for, for golf players. What about teachers? Nothing like this exists for teachers, right? But now we have the internet. The internet is the enabler. The internet is really what's going to help teachers get to this level where they can actually affect 
the lives of many more students, more, more so than just being in a classroom when they're just teaching 20 people at a time or 15 people at a time. So what we really want to talk about today is how you can learn how to use the internet, how to leverage the internet and our program to actually get to that level. So we're going to take a very quick break and we're going to be right back to talk about the profiles of, of some teachers and how we can learn how to teach using the power of the internet. Hello everyone, here's Sandra from Brazil. I'm here to say that the Learn Your English membership for teachers is an amazing opportunity to get together with other teachers from all over the world, read about different topics and discuss. It's been an amazing journey. There are webinars, there is a lot of material which is available for us to learn about various topics. I can't wait to learn even more. Hey everyone, my name is Maurice and I'm from Ivory Coast. You're listening to the Teacher Talking Time to Learn Your English podcast. Coucou tout le monde, je m'appelle Maurice et je viens de Côte d'Ivoire. Vous écoutez the Teacher Talking Time to Learn Your English podcast. Amusez-vous-toi! All right, so we're back here. And Mike and Andrew, I would like to propose something. I'm going to read a profile of a teacher that has joined our program or a teacher who is considering joining our program or a teacher who just basically sent us an email explaining their situation. And maybe oh, awesome. you, we can address how we can help them solve these problems. So here's teacher number one. This is Maria. And Maria said the following. In 2020, during the pandemic, I decided to start teaching as a freelancer primarily because schools were not hiring at the time. Mike, going back to the precarity situation that you were talking about. And she said, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And during the first six to eight months of my freelance teaching, I did everything by myself with no guidance whatsoever. And of course, I made tons of mistakes. How can we help a teacher like that? Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good profile, and that speaks, to, you know, what you guys were saying at the beginning of the episode with with taking risks and putting ourselves out there. You know, as you know, teaching is you know obviously a very traditional profession in that it's usually taken one form over the course of history, where people in a room together, physical room, learning something, teaching something, and now, you know, the options have expanded, and as we want to take you know calculated risks and put ourselves out of that comfort zone. The actions that we do not don't not necessarily different, but the the mode uh, is different, whether it's online or one to one. And and as we take those risks, there are some areas where we're not sure of, and you know mistakes are going to be made. Mistakes are good, and that's how we learn. But I think the process can be expedited by you know joining a community of people that have done it before, and from which those people can learn and you know make better mistakes or more uh, better mistakes, and uh, really fast track their process of just cleaning up the, the very principles of what you want to do, whether it's, you know, who do you want to teach? What platform do you want to use? Do you want to use a platform? Uh, what approach do you want to use? And then the business side of things in terms of like just your financials and making sure that everything is in line with, uh, you know, your local governments or, or rules or whatever the case is to make sure that what you're doing is actually in line with what you can. And there's lots of people that you can learn from to help you with that process and, and make that cleaner and faster and get that stuff out of the way so you can get up and running and really start doing what you want to do. 
Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, Andrew. And I think like, you know, thinking of Marie and teachers like her, especially the ones that are already kind of in our program. Um, the first, first and foremost, I think it's what you said early on, which was, which is community, right? Like, um, oftentimes teachers are out there kind of on their own, just like Maria, trying to figure it out as they go. Um, it's really good to have a connection to people who have been through that process, who have already learned from their mistakes, who can provide some mentorship, um, some suggestions in, ter in terms of how to avoid future pitfalls. Um, and I think that that's kind of the key thing. And it's not just, I, I think, um, for online teachers, I think even like when we're teaching live in person, I think we can kind of put ourselves in these little bubbles, um, unless we have like a really active staff room or a really active teaching community that we're involved with. It's um, teachers nowadays are, are oftentimes, unfortunately, quite isolated. And I think that mm -hmm. having an opportunity to, to meet with other teachers informally on a regular basis um, is really, really beneficial. Um, the other thing that I thought that you uh, touched on, which was quite good, was this idea of mistakes. And like, it's interesting because like, there are lots, all kinds of mistakes we can make as teachers. Um, and sometimes the more kind of powerful ones are the ones that affect our own kind of time management. And um, certainly when, when I started teaching privates on my own, because I, I just uh, out of the sheer reality of my position, I, I had to, um, you know, it was, it was managing all these different students with different needs and how to go about that and how to kind of develop like one kind of concise program or, or one approach that would allow me to kind of save time on preparation while also being able to take on more students. And, and I think that this um, kind of 80-20 approach that we really recommend that's part of our course, and maybe Leo can touch on it a bit, um, is really quite helpful. And I think that it's, it's quite necessary because it's one thing to say that you'd like to go out and freelance. It's another to say that I'm going to do that while also enjoying life, right? And mm -hmm. um, it's because once you start working freelance, you're responsible for your own shift and your own your own income. And it's quite it's it's quite common to see teachers kind of overwork themselves. And and I think yeah. that that um, time management and and community all kind of relate to one another. And you can't really have one without the other because it's through the community that you're going to find these different techniques. Mm -hmm. um, and then with better prep, you're going to become a better teacher and you're also going to make more time to just enjoy life. Yeah. I think the word freelancing itself is a little bit misleading. You know, mm. we all call it, you know, call ourselves freelancers in the generic term of the word. Of course, that's, that's very appropriate. But to me, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but like when I hear the word fr freelancing, the connotation that I get is that I do a bunch of very different things for a bunch of very different people. And I, maybe I do some writing for this website and I do some accounting for these people and I do this and I do this. And the teaching version of this might be like, I teach IELTS to this student and I teach business English to this student and I teach uh, advanced communication to this person and yada, yada, yada. And of course, you know, it'd be very time consuming and very prep heavy. And, and that is what I think of when I think of freelancing. I don't think of freelancing as necessarily having my own business or my own service that I provide. So, you know, Leo, what do you what do you think of when you hear the word freelancing? Is it akin to kind of what I've described? Uh, yes, yes, especially because I think very much like you have mentioned, Andrew and Mike, I have also become a freelancer. I've been freelancing since 2015, but freelancing was always a side hustle for me. It was never my primary thing. And now I find myself working four different jobs <laughs> and kind of like wearing many different hats within a single day 
And, but I think what's really important about, about freelancing is that you determine what matters to you. It's like you're working on your own terms, determining how much money you're going to make, how, how many hours you're going to work. So you're not really um, tied to an institution. And I think that's the power of, of the internet is like using the internet to leverage um, your business, to leverage what you want to do, I think is perhaps um, the future of, of language teaching, of education in general. And, as, and just to go back to what Mike said before we move on to the next profile, I think joining a community of other teachers is by far one of the best things you can do because we learn best from each other. In fact, I would argue that we actually learn more from the mistakes of other people than we do from their successes. But most importantly, when you are in a community, the accountability of working alongside other ambitious teachers, other ambitious people is really what drives peak performance. And this is the case for athletes like Woods and Ronaldo. And I think it's the case for teachers as well. And at this point, anyone with the passion and dedication to become a great teacher, a great freelancer can develop that ability. And this is really what we're trying to do with our, with our program, right? Scaling your ability to teach. Well, it's daunting to do it by yourself, right? Yes. I mean, even like Ronaldo has it as a management team and he has an advertising team and they just Tons tell him, support. show up yeah. on this day at this time and we're doing this. And, you know, he mm-hmm. has, a, he, you know, obviously he has the funds to be able to, to hire people to do that for him, but he's not doing it by himself, right? So, right. you know, I don't think we should expect to do it by ourselves either. And community is, is really important. And I know we've yeah. made mistakes along the way that we can impart on, you know, to the world as well. And the teachers in our program, in our community can do the same. And I've made yeah. lots of mistakes and times change. I know I used to run around Toronto teaching my private students, taking buses to teach this person, <laughs> running across town to teach this person. And, you know, the pandemic has changed how, how we do things. But I think, you know, I'm yeah. not going to go back to that model. And there's different models yeah. now and different ways of going about it. And, you know, just a little bit of guidance can go a long way. Yeah, I think, I think just to add Mike. on before we move on from freelancing, I think, you know, we have the word freelancing, but there's not, not much that's actually free about it, right? It, it involves, <laughs> it involves having, true. as you just pointed out, very, very good systems in place to make sure that you're you're successful and that you're able to to reach all these goals, right? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. Leo, what you were saying about the internet, it's not just the internet. Once you have what, once you have this idea of who you want to be as a teacher, oftentimes it's great to use the internet to find out who's out there. You know, what types yeah. of students are out there? Um, what needs do they have? What do what resources do you have that can address mm-hmm. those needs? Mm-hmm. And then you can actually take control of your life, where you're actually yeah. teaching the types of students that you know you can help and that you want to help. So exactly. once you have that in place, then it's just a matter of just setting up systems to help you tweak that and to get it more nuanced and more successful so you can scale. But that's what we do with the course, right? We, yeah. we really try to help provide the community, provide systems, yeah. and then of course, help help people scale and, and just balance their lives a little bit better. So that's basically it. Beautifully said, you must scale your ability to teach but then you must generate momentum to scale, which brings me to the second profile of a teacher here who said the following. I've been teaching for quite some time now, but not until recently did I realize I'd been doing the same thing for years, that is teaching out of course books without even questioning why. When I decided to go freelance, I decided it was time for a change. I currently teach adult learners one-to-one, 
and hopefully soon I should be able to focus on a niche. I want to teach intermediate learners only, but I don't think that's specific enough. So how can we help a teacher who wants to move away from textbooks and wants to have a very specific niche? Okay, so there's a lot there. So yeah, I think the the one to one part, like I think that's that's something that is natural to gravitate towards as you're entering into working for yourself. Who are the students I want to teach, and then I find them, and then I teach them, right? Like naturally, um, and teaching one to one is a natural first step, I think. And I think you know, as we as we go through that, we recommend how to you know incorporate that into a, a broader service, so to speak. So mm-hmm. you know, getting away from selling your time. Uh, to selling the outcome of working with you as a teacher and and what does that look like so you know we all go through the headaches of students attending or not attending one-to-one sessions and these kinds of things so what can you put together in terms of a package in terms of a program that will incorporate those one-to-one lessons of course but not um, be that that's the only service that that you're providing and then of course with the materials so you know I think it's well we talk a lot about textbooks and the benefits of them and and some of the inefficiencies that that lie within the books and mostly with having to do with what the student actually needs of course so maybe mike i think has some really good ideas that he shared about you know what we can do with with course books and what we can do outside of them as well mike yeah no i i think first of all just to go back what you said andrew about the the outcome the outcome is, is is crucial and it all starts with your ability to kind of research the types of students that are out there right it's quite important if you're just starting out freelancing, that you know what the market looks like and you see what sort of needs and wants, desires um, the students have for themselves. So the question was, you know, um, should I just focus on intermediate students? Well, I think it's a, it's a, it gets way more specific than that, right? Because as Andrew said, you want to focus on the outcome. So you want to focus on students who want to do something or want to be something. And then you can really target that. And that then becomes your, your target student, right? Or your, your niche is the kind of the word that gets thrown out a lot. So really your, your niche or the people you serve are people who want to be a certain thing or, or do a certain thing. And I think then, then we can start thinking about resources, right? We can go mm-hmm. and we can say, okay, so I, I'm, I'm new to this. I, I think a textbook might be great because it provides the structure for both me and the students that, that um, new newbies um, or someone who's kind of new to learning or teaching might, might want. Um, but you also have to consider, is it speaking to the student? Is it speaking to their outcome? And that's where I think the supplemental activities come in, in terms of um, finding ways of adapting what's already in the textbook, um, mm-hmm. changing the sequence of things to focus on what the student needs to prioritize or wants to prioritize. And then, of course, thinking about, you know, how do they actually use the language? And I think mm-hmm. really in our program, what we try to do is provide an approach that deals with all three of those things. So looking at your where the student wants to be, um, what sort of structure or how you might want to organize a program, and then what sort of um, what sort of texts and tasks and topics you might want to include include that really speak to this overall outcome or need, right? Um, once you have that, then you can negotiate the syllabus with the student, right? Then then they become equal parties in the lesson learning, and that's that's really all you need. Because as Andrew said, you're not promising time. You're promising this kind of transformation. So it's very important that they have a lot of buy-in. And while textbooks are good for structure, they don't generate a lot of buy-in. Um, mm-hmm. Never wanted to learn psychology because I read a textbook about psychology. 
is because I actually had an issue that I really wanted to overcome. And nope. um, through, through, right, and through, through having access to resources and self-help yeah. books and other, and other materials and a, and a, a mentor, uh, I'm able to kind of understand some of these other aspects of psychology that would make my life better. So that's what we need to do as English teachers, right? And it's difficult, but I think Andrew's right. It starts off with knowing very, having a good, very clear, crystal clear picture of what the outcome is for the student and then catering to that. Yeah. I have another profile here that I think connects to this. And okay. maybe Andrew, you can build up on that. This teacher says, I have been teaching on and off for over 10 years now, but I never really saw it as a promising career path. No wonder. Precarity is all over. Um, it was something I did as a side job while being a student or doing something else at the same time. It took me a long time to realize that teaching is what I really am passionate about. Unfortunately, all the time passed by and I didn't really work on my professional development. I took the CELTA last year, which I thought would be a game changer for me, but only led to excruciating overplanning, burnout, and I went down a PPP rabbit hole, not to mention the hours I have put on creating beautiful yet meaningless slides for online lessons. Wow. Wow. Okay. It's a lot to unpack there. Well, a lot to unpack. I'll, I'll work all right. backwards on that one because I think instead of talking about, you know, issues that, that that person seems to be having or other people have, I mean, just simple. Like what what do you visualize for yourself? Like what do you envision your work life being? And and again, in teaching, this isn't super duper new, but it's it's fairly new. Again, traditional classroom teaching, precarity in the in the language teaching industry, you know, results in and people you know, freelancing or experimenting on their own on the side as a side hustle forever. And now it's kind of coming to the, the forefront where it, it by by need or just by wishes is coming as like a primary source of income or a primary source of business. So, you know, what do you want? For, to, who, what clients do you want to serve? What package do you want to offer them? And what lifestyle do you want for yourself? And you, you know, obviously don't want to be over planning or planning a lot of lessons. So what's a way that you can cannot do that? And, you know, we have strategies that, that help teachers to reduce. We like to say we, we help teachers earn more by, by teaching less. And people always say, well, Andrew, how, what, what the hell does that mean? How do you, how do you do that? And that basically means, you know, reconceptualizing this concept of traditional freelance or self-employed teaching, which is, you know, getting on, selling your services X number of dollars or whatever for an hours of, of your time and not, I'm not selling the time helping students go from their, what we say their current situation, which is the current problem that they have to their desired situation, which is the result that they want. And you work with them in the middle to help them achieve that. So a really, really simple example is if, you know, you help students go from a six IELTS to a 6.5, like super simple, right? So their current example is they keep getting a six on, on the IELTS and they need to get a 6.5 for whatever reason, immigration, studying, whatever. And you work with them to help them achieve a 6.5. So that's their desired situation. And within that, you know, what does the student need to do uh, to achieve that? And you design a service for them. And then maybe you think, okay, well, IELTS is quite a, you know, a, a big demand in terms of area that people want. So maybe I can put something more formal together that I can repurpose for the next student that says to me, hey, I want to get a 6.5, I keep getting six. What can you help me with? And then you're starting to develop these, these materials where you're getting away from lesson planning in the formal sense of you know, customizing each individual lesson in terms of the topics and you're repurposing it and then you're giving them homework and then you're giving them things to do on the side and this becomes a program. And then you're able to 
customize and personalize through you know this individual person their 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 interests and their needs and to extend that analogy of IELTS we know that preparing for IELTS has two important things to it one is the actual test knowledge of how it works but of course it is a language test a proficiency test so in order to score higher the proficiency of the student needs to increase so what are you embedding inside of your preparation to help them with that aspect as well which is often lost I think in, in test preparation so uh, that's a very long-winded answer, Leo, to the question, but I think I'm working backwards of don't focus on how you design lessons. Focus on how you design the outcomes for the student. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about where the student wants to be in the future, but I think it's also important that everyone has a very kind of clear idea of who they want to be in the future. And oftentimes, this is the hardest to end regardless of your job, just as a person, the hardest question to answer is, are you happy? Right? And why are you happy? It's really hard. If you put someone on the spot and ask them that, you know, those, those do what I'm doing right now, they'll search for their words, or they'll try and figure out, they'll, they'll just be vague. Um, it's really tough. And I think if you really want to be successful, just in life, it's always important to have a kind of a clear picture of where you see yourself down the road. And for teachers, I think it's, we need to be very reflective and we have to say, okay, what, imagine myself saying a year's time, I'm very happy. Why? Why am I happy? And really think about it. You know, who are you teaching? How many hours are you teaching? How much time are you spending on preparation? What is it about you in one year's time that makes you feel, excuse me, really fulfilled, right? And we don't do that enough. And as a result, we never develop systems to get us there. And I think that we keep coming back to this idea of outcomes. I think to be a successful teacher, it's really important to think about your own outcomes. So it's, it's, it's nice. I'm sure that the, um, that the teacher got a lot out of the CELTA program in many different areas. They were probably able to learn some fundamentals of lesson pro, uh, planning. They were probably able to bounce their lesson plan ideas off a mentor. They were able to work with live students and do a practicum. And that's really important for just kind of establishing your comfort zone. But what they might not have done is figured out where the CELTA fit into their brand or picture of where they see themselves throughout mm -hmm. their career. And I think it's interesting because the, 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 the teacher said that they never thought of it as a career, right? And then, mm -hmm. so, so again, it's more of a mindset. So, okay, well, it's not a career per se, but you still feel that teaching is making you happy and you want to be happier. So what is it that would make, what is it about your condition that would make you happier, say in a year's time? Once you have this clear picture of who you are in a year's time or five years time and why you are happy, then just like you would for students, then you can start plugging in the different steps you need to take to get you there. And I think a lot of people go into say CELTA programs or some of these pre-service programs um, because they want to teach um, only to find out that these programs are really good, but they're only helpful in, in, in the sense that, well, they're more helpful in the sense that if you're looking for some sort of accreditation to go teach abroad, let's yeah. say, um, it, it is quite helpful. But, but when those teaching positions dry up, you really do need a, a, a other skill set to draw on. And I think that that's kind of where our program comes in, right? We we certainly do a lot around language awareness and lesson prep, a lot of the traditional things associated with the CELTA, but we go beyond that and really look at, you know, you need to kind of create your own identity as a mm -hmm. freelancer. You need to create your identity as a teacher so that you can, as Leo said, leverage the internet to attract more students and to make it sustainable. 
So I think it really does start with having a clear picture of who you want to be. And then again, putting in those steps and developing, putting systems around you um, to get you there. And really then, then the community is that little blanket of support that comes in to help you stay accountable to that plan and kind of refine and tweak your overall strategies as you go through it. But without that clear image of who your students want to be and who you want to be, it's, it's really hard. And, you know, again, like a lot of programs don't address this kind of psychological aspect as teachers, mm -hmm. we really have been putting off for, for way too long. So we try to adjust that and deal with that in our uh, program. And I think that the education, uh, the educational system, the education system is somewhat broken. I think a lot of courses, and this is by no means a criticism of courses, but I don't think that they are, they are built for this dynamic um, web, uh, uh, I would even say like uh, constantly ever flowing um, age of information that we live in. And I remember reading an essay by a guy named Torenberg, where he basically was saying that schools were built for this tactic industrial age. And I actually have a very good quote here where he basically said, schools do a very excellent job. And we can say schools here, we can even say training courses for teachers as well. They do an excellent job of training for excellence where there are clearly bounded domains and it's known exactly what has to be done to be successful. But they are terrible at training for genius, innovation one, innovation no one can predict and i think that speaks to a lot of a lot of what is currently happening is that a lot of teachers are frustrated because of the boundaries that these courses have created and at the end when you take one of these certificates you're still going to be working for someone else on someone else's terms not your own terms so i think the good news is that teachers get this now they're getting this the people out there doing thing or doing the thing, they know this because they succeeded despite the system. And we have seen a lot of examples of teachers who have successfully transitioned from working for institutions and working for themselves. And I have met enough that are also very passionate about sharing their expertise with others to fill me with confidence that the future of education is actually bright, right? And people who do both, right? So, yeah. you know, you can... Keep your keep your job and explore, you know, as we say, dip your toes in the the freelancing world and and try them on for size and see when see which one fits you better. And I think you'll be you'll be surprised. But to go back to a word that you just said, Leo, is parameters, and that's kind of what Mike was saying earlier. I think as you work mm -hmm. for yourself, at least for me, the the hardest thing for me to determine was my parameters. And you know, as as you start, you may be tempted to say yes to every student who wants to work with yes. you, and that may be a good strategy right away. Like it's hard to when you don't have anybody. It's you say yes for sure but as you start to go through and as you go through that part you know when you have a get hired in a traditional role a traditional job whatever that that is you have a job description right you do this and you do this and you do this and that, those are the things mm -hmm. that you do and when you work for yourself you have to create that for yourself you know what it gives that to you and it's very tempting at the beginning to say yes to everything and to do everything yeah. but really and we know this what happens is you burn yourself out pretty quickly right and so what is as mike was saying you know what is the lane that you want to work in with what which yeah. kind of people um and developing what you do in that way and then there's lots of things that go inside of that but for me that's the most important step is what are the parameters that i'm setting for myself as a self-employed person in this business that I want to create for myself, whatever that looks like. So I 
it's clear for me what I'm providing. And in turn, it's clear for the people who are finding me what I provide, what value I provide to that person. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's uh, just to t- just to add to what you said. I think it's important to to emphasize it's possible to live and thrive in both worlds, right? Of you course. can work for mm-hmm. a, a school and and do an excellent job with students and feel rewarded in that career, but you can also have this other side position where you're actually developing and innovating yourself. And I think that a lot of these pre-service programs um, only kind of address that one side of life where you're you're going to be teaching within a structure, not necessarily playing with your own structure, innovating your own practice and dealing with that. And and I, I think it, it's 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 it could be a systematic problem. I think it is changing because mm-hmm. of course uh, mm-hmm. with with people more more teachers themselves working from home, even if they are teaching for an institute, they're choosing to, t- to teach from home. And a lot of the reason they're choosing to teach from home rather than go back into the live classroom is because it does afford them more opportunities to innovate their practice and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. And I think as teachers, we should always be looking to, to really develop and, and, and mm-hmm. innovate. And I think we have to be responsive to a changing world. Yeah. And looking forward, sure, you might be teaching in a classroom right now and your students really like it, but will you, the students of, in 15 years time, the students of your future feel the same way about that? Exactly. So you have a good to point. think about where the world is going. And uh, I don't know. I think I think these programs are great because they do provide a, a, a sense of security for teachers. And they, they, in some cases, help socialize them into the field. But there's a lot of after service that needs to be done. Yeah. And I think that's where, that's where we come in is, is, is to, to coach and provide systems and to a community to help teachers keep innovating for not only the future the students they have today but the students they'll have in 10 to 15 years Mm -hmm. time as i you know as we all talk to teachers a lot a question i like to ask is you know which students are you teaching online and they say this this and this and then i say you know well what about your students um from from different countries so we live in canada right so what about your students who are outside of canada and they usually say well what do you mean (laughs) right so this is also a mindset where it's it's possible and it's not just possible, it's likely that you'll be teaching and attracting students not just from your own country or your own neighborhood or your own city. Mm-hmm. That seems like such a basic statement, but a lot of teachers that I talk to live in country X and only teach students from country X. And there's mm-hmm. a, a really untapped potential of, of finding people and having people find you with an online mode that, again, will become extremely overwhelming if you're only doing it in a one-to-one um, situation and Leo, I know you, you have an example from last week where a person said that they had a bunch of students on her waiting list that she didn't have time to accommodate. And you know, we help teachers mm-hmm. to alleviate that kind of a situation because you never want to have that where you have a waiting list of people waiting yeah. for you. So, you know, one to one teaching is great and it's certainly a component of of personalized and, and learning experiences for the student. But um, you know, in at least in my opinion, it shouldn't be the only thing that you're providing. Yeah. Oh, and but this is the only, third profile. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, it, is there one more profile? I don't want to jump in. There's one more actually... profile, but, well, but let's please. go with one more profile because I might yeah, actually relate it, to that. Yeah. It segues, it segues very nicely into this last point here, which is this let's idea go. of building an infrastructure. So this one teacher here said last year, I decided to go back to teaching and do it independently only. I started working with course books, but then I realized once again, that connecting the language with my students' lives helped them learn a lot more. So I decided to leave books aside. 
shortly after beginning, I started doubting myself, feeling that I needed to improve my English and, working, and work on my teaching. I would also like to move away from teaching one-to-one. -one. And what I wanted to say, Mike, before you jump right in, is that it's great to teach one-to-one. -one. It's great that you're thinking about leaving the textbooks aside, and we can definitely help with that. But in order to scale your ability to teach, you need an infrastructure that allows for this blend or this mix of online instruction, offline implementation, feedback, some sort of peer support, basically an infrastructure that provides your students, and in this case, that provides our community with a way to consume content at their own pace, while also providing access to opportunities for face-to-face -face discussion with, with a mentor, with a coach. So choosing the right platform for delivering your specific knowledge is also very important. And one, one of the things I wanted to say before you jump right in, Mike, because I know you have a lot to say about that, is that this is what I want you to understand. You, yes, exactly. You are there listening to this podcast. Technology is no longer the limiting factor. It is actually the enabler. So how to use technology to deliver transformations at scale is the next challenge for teachers. But if you are working with other teachers who are also course creators in a community, I think this is a very good way for you to stay on top of, the, of these use cases and even add to your own community of practice. Mike? Yeah, I'll, I'll briefly just touch on that. I, I think that um, it sounds like what you're describing then, Leo, is some sort of like hybrid kind of model, right? Where you as a teacher are not only helping the students face-to-face -face or in person, but you're providing learning opportunities at other um, touch points throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, and, and so on. And it's through that approach that you actually get a more well-rounded student. You get, um, I would say, clearer, more um, uh, richer results, I guess, um, because you're fostering not only um, you're fostering not only language development that using these different touch points. You're actually fostering a, a better uh, learning approach so you're you're creating learner autonomy mm -hmm. learner agency uh, an appreciation for lifelong learning and I think a lot of this goes kind of connects to what we were saying earlier which is um, you have to think about the students you want to teach right? yeah and you're going to attract um, students who if you are very systematic in your approach and you have a genuine thirst for uh, light, uh, learning yourself and you provide or you're aware of the different ways that people learn and you provide that in your course, then you're going to actually attract the types of students who also want to be lifelong learners, are open to multimodality, like having an opportunity to meet with a teacher, but also realize that it's up to them to actually take control over their own development and progress, right? So uh, again, we go back, I go back to this word of systems. I think it's really, really important that we, um, establish systems early on so we know who we want to be but I think it comes back to what Leo said without those systems you're not going to be able to design a course that actually provides for these multiple touch points both in person asynchronously and then of course through through other supports such as a community I think that's 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 very perfectly said I don't have much to add to that and just it sounds like Mike's getting into I think it's called the mirror analogy or the mirror metaphor yeah something like that I've heard that before. Uh, where basically the, the idea is that you you attract people who mirror your own personality, your own habits, your own instincts, your own systems, uh, in case of Mike. So if you are a decisive person, 
the theory says that you will attract decisive students or decisive clients. And the opposite is true. If you are a pretty indecisive person, something that I'm working on myself, then you attract indecisive people. So, you know, by, you know, doing a reflective exercise of who do I want to be? Where do I see myself? It's kind of a, a dual pronged approach. If you, if you go with this theory where you're, you're not only thinking about where, who you want to be as a person, but by extension, you'll be attracting people, students who also fit with, with that mold. And then you'll be able to, you know, find people who, who fit with you and you'll be able to help uh, even more. Yeah. And I think that idea of reflection is really important because the, the, the free part of freelance, I think, comes in with knowing who you want to be and, and being able to create a, a, a career around that, right? Because oftentimes, if you love what you do, you're, you're never really working, right? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, you're going to have all kinds of energy to go out, become a better teacher, really support your students because you're passionate about it. And I think that we were talking a little bit about teachers who are already in the field. I mean, just to add like another profile. So there's one member of our community who actually um, has no experience teaching, but mm. they decided to join because they were a nurse and they had lots of experience with nursing, but nursing's been, it's obviously it's been quite stressful in recent years. So they're trying to transition in, in, in a way that still helps them help people, but they can leverage their existing knowledge. And I think as teachers, we kind of sit back and say, wow, like as an English teacher, I guess I have to teach English and teaching English involves teaching tenses, teaching vocabulary and all this stuff. But really, no, like I would really encourage everyone to go into their look, reflect internally and see, you know what, um, what am I interested in? Who would I love to work with? Um, I love music. There must be musicians out there that would really love to learn English or need help perhaps with one aspect of their English so that they can feel more confident or, or do better. There must be someone out there, like Andrew said, uh, maybe doing IELTS tests, but maybe mm -hmm. they're more focused. Maybe it's IELTS tests, but they're really an international student who wants to be a, a, a business manager or something like that. And yeah. I have a lot of experience before I became a teacher being a business manager. So I can really draw on that. And I think if you kind of get this idea of who you want to be and who your students are, then as Andrew said, then you're going to start attracting those students. And then what Leo's bringing up here is this idea of then you can just harness the power of technology yeah. to think of not only different ways of learning more about the students so that you know that your course addresses those needs, but also once the student is part of your course, building up, establishing different touch points where they can develop with you face-to-face, -face, but also externally in, in, in a much larger environment, either in an online learning management system or, or in a broader community that you've set up in your own um, social media. So it, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. I think the, the idea of being a freelancer is, is always innovating and, and lots yeah. of different things are happening, but it really does start for me. It starts with knowing yourself and knowing your students. After that, like Leo said, it's just a matter of finding creative ways to leverage technology. Yeah. And I think the future of teaching in general i think teachers in general i would say you have to become either a learning designer where you're basically creating training courses to help people in an organization or in a continuous cycle of learning you have to be a course creator where you're building a product that can change the lives of students and scale your reach through perhaps positive word of mouth and you also have to be 
a community builder because you're going to be establishing a place for like-minded people to gather, to learn, to grow, and more importantly, to stay. And this is, I think, when I think about what we are trying to do, what we're trying to achieve as, as, as teachers, as entrepreneurs, in a sense, is we're really trying to give teachers an alternative to what they are currently doing in their, in their lives, right? Absolutely. <laughs> to, to, to get out of the grind, as it were, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I know we're up against the clock here, but just as we kind of wrap this conversation up, I think just we outlined it really simply. Like I have, in my mind, three outcomes that our course, that teachers in our course experience. And I'll, I'll say my three, and then maybe you guys can add on or you can agree or, or not. But for me, the course helps teachers do three things. The first one is to reduce their lesson planning by at least 50%. We aim for 80, but definitely at least 50%. We help teachers in conjunction with that. Number two, to implement what we call a materials light approach that allows teachers to use authentic texts in their classroom, uh, but also giving students more agency and authority over what they're learning. And then number three is the third block on that builds on it is then designing a program or designing a, a, a yeah a program that you can work with your students within that allows you know for lower lesson planning but also that is scalable so you're not restricting yourself to only teaching one to one plus the yeah. community right yeah the and community being surrounded by other like-minded individuals who are very active um, in their field um, and then I think I think finally maybe perhaps in Leo can add to this if he wants. This is this idea of professional growth and development. Mm. And uh, mm -hmm. um, we really kind of help socialize people into the field. And, you know, we have this expression that we really like to help out um, uh, high achiever teachers. And I think that we, we, are, we see ourselves as high achievers. We see people in our membership as high achievers because they're on this endless quest, as Andrew said, to keep learning. And um, part and parcel of that is uh, this idea of professional development and growth and having opportunities to, to lead mm -hmm. discussions and share and, and get advice on how to get published and so on. So I think it's, it's a well-rounded program and yeah. it, it starts with those three pillars and certainly expands, I think. Yeah. I think one, two more things that I would add to the program is the first one is that it really helps you change your mindset. I think you're going to go from a push to a pull mentality because it really helps you realize that the system needs to flip. So you're kind of going from like, you tell me the right answer to like ask the right question and then find the answer. And the second thing I was gonna say, which I think is, is, is a great point to this community is that you're not only surrounded by people who are also kind of like experiencing or going through the same situation as you are, but you also have this ongoing mentoring and coaching by by the three of us we're going to be there once a week with you whenever you encounter any sort of problem any issues arise or or any struggles that you're having you can just come on a q a call with us and you just share your problems with us and we will help you not we're not going to give you the answer but if you ask the right question then you're going to be able to find the answer and i think the real winner here is clearly not just us not just the, the, the teachers, but are the students because the learners, anyone who can benefit from the talent of these amazing teachers that we have in this community, I think are the lucky ones. So just imagine a world in which you can learn how to make YouTube videos 
from you know watching uh, uh, um, uh, or taking a course or maybe find local communities of like-minded learners that will help you put all your ideas into action. I think that's the school of the future for me. That's the, that's the future of education, which is basically, as we said earlier, it's a blend of the best in-class online instruction with the, I would call it an Italian barber for the online facilitated community <laughs> with like coffee and conversations and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow all kinds of metaphors out there okay yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it teachers will be leading the way and the question we the question we get a lot is like andrew when you know how long does the program last and of course we're happy to say that it doesn't uh, it doesn't end there is no end to the program we want this to be it's a, a lifelong learning program it's a lifelong learning yeah, program rather hypocritical of us if we didn't have a lifelong <laughs> learning program yeah. quite literally so once you're in you're in and we want it to be a space where where you can can learn and develop and grow and ask questions and get better and, and see growth you know, indefinitely for, for as long as you need it. So there is no expiry date. So the program does last for as long as you need it to. Yeah. Where do people find out more about the program? How do they, how do they apply to the program? Can anyone join the program? It's not for, every, not for anybody. So we do have an application process. So there's a link in the show notes that you can click, or you can just go to our website, learnyouringlish.net uh, to check it out and uh, to uh, book a meeting with one of us to talk about your goals and the objectives you have for, for your teaching career and see if it aligns with what we offer and then uh, we look forward to chatting with you then thank you very much boys thank you for listening don't forget uh teacher talking time spotify apple Podcasts, amazon Podcasts, you name it podcast we are there don't forget to leave uh, a rating for the show like if you really like the show don't forget and i have a challenge for you if you know a teacher, if you listen to this podcast and you know a teacher who would benefit from listening to this episode share that episode with them forward it to them okay we very much appreciate your support and we thank you for your listenership mike andrew we're back in february with another interview based podcast right absolutely yeah sounds great all right everyone take it easy You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.